and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I'm joined, as always, on the other line by Anthony Chang, our Heat Beat writer here at the Herald. Anthony, what's up? Hey, David. Joining you from uh, kind of not that cold Philadelphia. Gotten lucky with weather on this trip. I think it's like 50, in the 50s in Philadelphia. Yeah, and that's pretty good. Cleveland, it was like in the 40s. I'll take that for December. Yeah, for December. You know, the, these are always the trips where you're, you're worried if you're even going to get there, right? If, if the yeah. It would be too bad or anything like that. But, yeah, uh, 50s in Philly in, in December, that, that's pretty good. Go get a cheesesteak, uh, watch some basketball. It'll be a productive little trip for you. Um, yeah, not bad. Yeah, we're, we're recording this on a Tuesday afternoon. Um, obviously, the Heat will play on Wednesday as they – Typically do uh, so. Hopefully, nothing too crazy <laughs> happens tomorrow night, and that necessitates a uh, emergency addendum like we did last week. Although I thought that was pretty pretty efficient last week. Yeah, um, we've done the last two weeks actually. Oh right, yeah, because the last time it was banned. Damn, Damn. That's yeah, true. we didn't do it after the game that week. But yeah, it's it's getting to be breaking news. It seems like every Wednesday. Uh, so we'll we'll cross our fingers and hope nothing too crazy happens. Um, heat two and one in their last three, basically since that like. You know, since things since we recorded our doom and gloom episode last Tuesday, uh, obviously they beat the Bucks last week. We talked about that. Beat up the Bulls in a, in a weird game where both teams were missing a ton of guys uh, on Saturday, and then and then last night lose to the Cavs. And um, it seems like the recipe is just they're gonna have to shoot the lights out basically when when these you know when they're missing Bam and Jimmy. It's something we talked about I think uh, a little bit last week. Um, the idea that they're going to have to rely on offense when you're missing those two defensive guys. Uh, and it was, you know, we basically saw it in the first two games where they, they made 22 threes, right. On in the Bucks yeah. game, which tied a franchise record. Tied a franchise record yeah. And that Bulls game, I think it wound up with 19, which was their second most of the year. Um, and, and, you know, they were, that was like a, the fourth quarter was basically garbage time. So, you know, if they're running real offense, they maybe could have even gotten right up into that 22 range again. Um, and then last night they don't make the shots and they lose. And, and it, it's to make or miss league is like the cliche that, that I think we, uh, we people like kind of make fun of, but uh, you're really getting that feeling with the heat right now. And, and I think that's, you know, not the heat are a bad team right now. They're better than, you know, they're, they, they should still beat most bad teams, even when you're missing those two guys. Um, but you know, the way bad teams, the reason that, you know, the, the Rockets can have a seven game winning streak or whatever they had last week after they looked like the worst team ever is because teams are shooting so many threes and you, you're going to win games. If you shoot that many threes, it's just going to kind of become a math problem. Um, and the heat, I think it's, you know, they, they don't like to play like the rest of the league. They've, they've always looked different than the rest of the league as, as everyone has gone to just, just spread it out, play ISO, shoot threes. Um, but it's kind of what they need right now. They're still going to get their threes differently because of the guys they have, but they, they got to, they got to let it fly. And, and we've seen it, you know, two and one in the last three games, as we've said, they're just trying to steal wins here. And they stole a couple in the last week, I think against, you know, two of the other best teams in the Eastern conference. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly right. Like we touched on it a lot last week, but this there's only been evidence of what we spoke about last week, even though it was doom and gloom and they've been two and one right. since. They, they're so dependent on the three-pointer right now um, just because, you know, they were they were one of the best teams in the league at getting to the free-throw line when Jimmy and Bam were available because Bam and Jimmy are so good at drawing fouls. Um, I think they were third in the NBA in, in free-throw attempts per game, you know, before, before Jimmy got hurt in Chicago right after Thanksgiving. And since then, they've attempted the fewest free-throws in the league. 
Um, so, you know, those relief points, they're just not there. Right. And, and even just drives to the basket, like the personnel they have is just, in, isn't built for that. They need to hit a high amount of threes. And that's why they're taking 40 plus a game. I mean, that's not really what they've been doing this year when the roster was healthy. They were taking like, you know, low thirties, mid thirties, last three games, 40 plus, 40 plus each one, 47 against Milwaukee, 43 against the Bulls, 40 on Monday against the Cavaliers. They know what they need to do. They know the formula. <laughs> they just need to make them. Um, and some games are just not going to go in. I mean, they were outscored by nine points uh, from, from the three-point line uh, against Cleveland, and that proved really to be the difference in the game. Um, they were only five of nine from the line. They took nine free throws against the Cavs. Like, yeah. if you're not hitting 17 plus threes, you're not winning when you're taking nine free throws. So um, it's really that simple right now. Their defense is fine. I mean, their defense is keeping them in games. I think they've been around an av- like an average defensive team without Bam and Jimmy um, over the last seven since Bam got hurt. Um, it's their offense really that's kind of boom or bust. I think they're twenty something in offense, but when it's been good, it's been really good because they're right. making outside shots. But when it's been bad, it's been pretty bad because they're so dependent on that outside shot. Yeah, I mean they do have a ton of shooters on the floor basically any time now. When you when you think about you know Lowry, obviously Duncan. Uh, has gotten it going a little bit uh, over the last yeah. couple of weeks here. I, I think he's around 40% in December. Um, I don't know what he is after last night. Well, he was like one of seven last night. Yeah, so he might have dipped back underneath. But he was like, yeah. I think, at like 41, I want to say, after that Bulls game. So, uh, you know, hovering around where you kind of would hope he would be. Um, obviously, Kyle Lowry is as good a pull-up shooter as this team has. Obviously, Shrews is getting a lot of minutes. PJ has, has shot it well pretty much all year. Yeah. And we know he's reliable from the corner. Um, so they they have the the per, you know, even Dedman. Dwayne Dedman can hit some. Yeah, Dedman hit a couple of that Bulls game I was at yeah. on, on Saturday. Um, so it's a different, like it's a they, it's a totally different offensive identity, which makes sense because you're losing your two best players. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and two very unique offensive players. You know, there's not a lot of players in the league like Jimmy Butler anymore. Um, and you know, the, the heat have just because Bam doesn't get the ball as much as he used, like, uh, playmake as much as he used to, he's not, the heat have kind of turned him into a more standard type, like athletic, big man, right? yeah. but yeah. he's obviously a very unique offensive player too. Uh, so, you know, they, they just play a totally different style right now. You know, there's still, still a lot of Duncan coming off screens, right? Um, but obviously a lot more Kyle Lowry pull up game and, and creating himself. You know, the, like I said, I was at that Bulls game that night um, on Saturday. Uh, first game I'd been in person for for a little while. And, and you know, that was that kind of felt like, yeah, again, I know the Bulls were missing DeMar and a ton of guys out with COVID. But, you know, where the Bucks game kind of felt like a like a miracle. Right. That Bulls <laughs> game felt a little bit more like, oh, this is what these guys like when everything's clicking for these. Yeah, guys, that's what they can do. Yeah. Like, that's what they're going to look like when they win games. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, I don't know. Again, this is all temporary. I think we all have to remember that. I mean, this team is going to get Jimmy back. It's going to get Bam back at some point. And it's not just those two guys. I mean, they're also missing two other rotation players. I mean, Killer Martin was playing the best basketball right. slide, you know, test positive for COVID. And, you know, now he's out for probably the next week or so. So, and then also Marquise Morris hasn't played in over a month. He was another important part of the rotation before he got hurt. They're missing four rotation players at the moment including the two best players. And if you count Victor Oladipo, who hasn't been 
Right. Will be a rotation player whenever he's. But will be a rotation player. They're missing five rotation players. Um, so there's gonna be some bumps, and it's like we said last week. It's just about trying to hover on that 500 mark and surviving until those guys get back or until some of those guys get back. Um, but it, you know what they're doing really is not sustainable over a long stretch. Yeah. I, mean, I just think they're trying to like just like you said, just take it game by game and just trying to steal wins at this point. Um, but, you know, they made 19 threes against the Bulls, 22 threes against the Bucks. First time in franchise history, they yeah, made 19, they hit 19 plus in games. That game, all that. So, yeah, that shows you just how uh, kind of unsustainable it is. Um, but again, I think the hope is Jimmy will be back soon. Could be it toward the end of this trip. I would not be shocked if he joined the team in Orlando, uh-huh. uh, maybe Detroit. But definitely, I think when they return home next week, he, he'll probably be back. Bam, you know, probably a month away. Um, and Victor, I mean, Kate and Caleb, you know, whenever it's out of protocol, but that's going to be soon too, probably next week at some point. Yeah. And Victor's on the trip for the first time. First time he's ever traveled with the heat since being traded to them last season, because, you know, he only played in four home games and he got hurt. Um, and he seems to be making progress. The team has made it clear. That doesn't mean his return is imminent, but you can't, you have to think that's a positive sign that he's with the team. And he's, you know, we went to shoot around yesterday on Monday in Cleveland he was out there working. I mean, not with the team, but doing his own stuff, shooting, you know, doing uh, leg exercises and just kind of strengthening that knee. So, you know, he'll be back probably at some point soon in the next few months. So this is all temporary uh, for the team. Yeah, this is the formula need, that he needs to follow, but it's just, it just tough to really string together, like, consecutive wins playing this style. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the Victor thing, it seems like he's this kind of like – it has him on track, right, for that January, early February, like, kind of return that we, I think, have been thinking maybe all along, right? That's, like you said, it's not an imminent return, but it seems like he's progressing in the way that fits with the timeline that, that we've been basically thinking. Yeah, um, I, I've, all I've, I've heard all, you know, since really be, even before the season, yeah. February, March. And at this point, it's, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm just judging by him just being on the trip. March seems maybe, like, maybe too far away, right? It seems yeah, like worst-case scenario, right? Yeah, yeah. but I, I've heard now consistently February, March, and, and that's what it seems to be trying just based on, like, how things look. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I mean, you know, take, as far as taking it day-by-day and stealing wins, you know, I think you, you look at these last three games that basically, you know, we kind of end up looking in this season, I feel like, in a lot of ways, in three-game chunks just because of our recording schedule. But, like, two and three out of Milwaukee, Chicago, and at Cleveland – like that's pretty you that, that that's yeah, pretty much that. yeah it's positive right you probably he, considering the even guy when healthy played, even when healthy you probably take that right right exactly yeah i mean obviously cleveland has been the surprise like one of the best teams in the league probably the biggest surprise in the league so far the bulls again like i know people are gonna be like oh they were missing seven guys or whatever it was with covid and obviously their situation is is getting worse but you know they still had zach levine and nikola vucevic and like they, they're the only like really, really important guy they were missing was DeMar, whereas the Heat was missing, obviously, their two best players. Like, And and actually had fewer healthy players available than uh, the Bulls in that game. So, like, that uh, that was still – they're probably uh, like an underdog in that game when, when you look at it. Um, the Caleb Martin thing, as you mentioned, obviously, like, throws a wrench in the whole thing because he was – he was the clo- you know, not that he is Jimmy Butler, but he was kind of like the closest approximation of what he was giving them, right? Like he was playing in that job, obviously, in the starting lineup. Um, he was a guy who could create a little bit off the dribble. 
Um, you know, probably a better shooter than Jimmy, obviously not the, the same level of playmaker, but like he was electric in that, in that Bucks game, obviously career high, 28 points. Uh, now you're going to you know, the 10 day window would basically cause him to miss his entire road trip. Uh, he could be back the 21st. I think Indiana is when he would clear protocol, assuming he's all good by then. Um, and it doesn't sound like he's has symptoms or anything. So, uh, you know, it'll, it'll help to get him back. And then you look at how they close out this road trip. Obviously, the Philly game will have happened by the time everyone's listening to this. But then you go at Orlando, at Detroit, like those are two, even no matter who you're missing, like those are games you probably should win. And, and if you can get through this stretch without Jimmy Butler, without screwing up one of those two games uh, and take what you get, like you're going to be hovering right right in that, in that 500 range like we talked about that the, the Heat need to play at when they're missing these guys. Yeah, I think that's kind of the thought, right? I mean – you, you those like, are two, like I know it's Orlando and yeah, but the two worst teams in the NBA because those are games you got to win right now. Yeah, I think I think Detroit has four wins and Orlando might have five at this point. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, even without Bam and Jimmy, you should probably win those games even on the road. Yeah, the schedule actually does get easier right after that too. Orlando, yeah, that's Detroit, what I was. About, I was about, Detroit Orlando like yeah. yeah. I was about to the say fact that they were able to get through this little stretch, and we'll see what they do in Philly. Um, on Wednesday, obviously, but the fact they were able to get through the stretch like alive, is, I think, is really encouraging. For sure, I mean, there, there, there's, you know, the end of this trip, Orlando, Detroit, obviously not not the best opponents, and then they come home face Indiana, Detroit, Orlando. I mean, Washington's pretty good, um, but San Antonio and Houston, yeah, the, the schedule softens up here, and especially if you can get Jimmy back and Kayla back next week, and maybe Markeith at some point soon. You know, they could really go on a run. Um, it's just about, you know, you, I, I think the thought was you would like to steal one of these two first two games against Cleveland or Philly. Um, and then maybe have a chance to go three and one on the trip, which would be a huge win without yeah. Jimmy. Um, but even just going two and two, and if you win those last two, like you're expected to, um, then I think you come home fine, right? You're in good shape. Yeah. You went two and two on a road trip without your two best players and without four to five rotation players. So, um, yeah, I mean, Cleveland is a tough matchup for them. A, Cleveland is actually good this year. Good. Really, yeah, they're good. They have good. good. They have good basketball players on their team. Yeah, and they're unique because of their length and size. And the Heat are missing their best big man, and also Markeith Morris, who was essentially, you know, a really big part of the power rotation along with Deadman, and he's not even available. So it's hard to really. Um, it's it, that's a tough game for the. I, I didn't really did honestly did not expect them to win that game just because of the matchup. It's, it's a tough it's a tough matchup for them. So Phillies gonna be another you know you know this is gonna come out after that game, but you know Dwayne Dedman's gonna guard Embiid and that's fine. But you know if he gets into foul trouble, it's gonna be yours. There's not a lot behind them. Yeah, um, the, I can't believe Cleveland just like stole Jared Allen. Just like just got him. Like how how did that happen? Yeah. How was how he not on Houston? Like what what are those guys doing? I don't. I have no idea. But it's amazing that they're even able to play those three big guys together. Yeah. Um. It's really. It's a really unique team, and they're not. They're not even. Ha- they don't even have Colin Sexton available. Mm-hmm. Um, really young, unique, fun team, and when they're hitting threes like they have against the Heat this season, sixteen threes in each game. Um. Yeah, you're not. You're probably not going to win that game. Um. With the personnel that you have available, so. Um, yeah, it was it wasn't a su- super surprising result, but I, I think yeah, that, that Orlando Detroit game, those games are are important because they're games that he should win, and he can't waste those opportunities mm-hmm. um, at this point with everything going on. 
so when I, when I was watching that Chicago game where it was kind of Kyle Lowry and, and Duncan's like kind of probably their best performances of the season when you like take in, like take everything in context, right? Who was missing, what they needed them to do. Um, obviously, like I was kind of thinking there, there are some positives they can get out of this, right? Like obviously it's, it's hard to like kind of really figure out what works best when you're missing your two best guys. But like if they can get Duncan going there in this stretch and, and if Kyle can like, you know, I, I think we've all been waiting for a little bit more consistent, like takeover kind of stuff from him. Um, then I think that goes a long way. And then PJ Tucker is another guy who just feels like, uh, yeah. I mean, I, he was really, really marginalized in Milwaukee last year and obviously was really bad in, in Houston. I think everyone realizes that was just like kind of him coasting, but you know, this is kind of the most opportunity he's getting, he's gotten in a long time to be like, uh, not a focal point of the offense, obviously, but like a guy who's got the ball in his hands a little bit. And it's like doing more than just standing in the corner and shooting threes on offense and, you know, giving you obviously doing what he does on defense, but like, you know, he's, he's playing center. He's like, I, I think, you know, I know he is what he is at this point, right. He's 35 or whatever. Like, it's not like he's like learning new things about his game, but um, yeah, I think if the heat find different ways to, to use him more than just being the guy who stands in the corner and shoots threes. Like, I think that could go a long way for them this year too. Yeah. And I think uh, it's been, it's been somewhat surprising to see him kind of flourish in this role. Yeah. Uh, because he, I mean, for his career, he's averaging what? Uh, 1.4 assists. So he had uh, eight assists, I think in that Milwaukee game. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's had, he had five assists against Cleveland. He's, he's had four more assists in four straight games. Yeah. Um, and then he's just been shooting the ball so well. Um from the corners, especially to 45% on threes this season. He's been phenomenal for this team. I mean, I, you know, I thought I knew he was going to be important for this team this season when they signed him, even though, you know, you look at his numbers from last season, they're not that right. impressive. He's 36, but just the role that he would, would use him in and what, you know, what he could provide kind of in that Jay Crowder mold, I knew would be important. Um, but he's been even better than, than expected. And yeah, the fact that they can use him like Bam, and yeah, he's not Bam, but he's able to kind of help run the offense as a hub um, in the mid post. Um, you know, off pick and rolls, kind of off that. You know, when, when teams when teams uh, try out the pick and roll, they often do against like Duncan and, and Tyler and even Kyle. Um, and and Jimmy gets the, I mean, PJ gets that short roll and gets that pass, and he's playing four on three. He's able to make that pass. Like we've seen that consistently now, um, where he's able to play make off. You know. At that po- at that point in the floor, so it, it's been really impressive. Um, and you know, maybe it's something where you know, against some teams, and when the playoffs come, when Bam is healthy, when Bam goes out, you could play PJ. You yeah, know, I, I'm much more interested in that kind of stuff than I am yeah. three point shooting, right? Because like he's not yeah. going to shoot 45 percent from three this year, and you just kind of like you know, he's going to shoot from the corner. Some games he's going to be hot and make a bunch of them. Some games he's going to miss, and it's going to be. Right, but you do need him to hit a game or two here and there. But like, it is what it is, right? But I, I think sure, but you do need him to hit a, a good amount of threes, though, just with the role he's in. But yes, right. he's not going to forty five percent of threes this season. He's not going to finish with that mark, I don't think. Yeah, but um, yeah, basically, my thought there is essentially like, you know, in Milwaukee they didn't need him to do a lot, right? Because they have the best player in the world. But I think for the Heat and and the way the Heat always seem to get the best out of their guys, like. I'm pretty interested in what he's doing right now and seeing how that will fit in. Like you said, once Bam gets back, once, you know, once Mark Heath gets back, like his role, obviously he's not going to play like center probably a lot, 
uh, on the defensive end, right? He's not going to be the guy anchoring a defense necessarily like that. And he hasn't even necessarily been when he's been the quote unquote center here playing a lot with KZ. But um, I, I, I'm interested in seeing the ways that, that Spo can figure out the best ways to use him once everyone is back. And, and I think that's, there's like, I don't know if, you know, Spo obviously knows he has, has some of these skills, but um, no, I wonder how much is, of this is, I don't want to say surprising him, but like that he's actually being like, Oh, this, this is, this is interesting. Like this is stuff we can really work with going forward. Yeah. And then, and should mention that before the season, uh, when talking to PJ, one of the things he mentioned was he want like, you know, obviously he wanted to go to Milwaukee. It didn't work out. But one reason he was attracted to the heat is because he knew that he'd be used kind of differently here. And in so many of his previous stops, right. he's, like you said, just been used as a four spacer, just kind of stand in the corner and wait for the pass if it comes to you and put it up. Right. Um, but he kind of knew with the way that he play and the way, you know, spoke coaches, that he'd be able to use be used differently, whether it's, a, you know, as a screener and, uh, or, you know, off you know, cutting to the basket. Like he's done, you know, he did a lot when the team was healthy early in the season kind of scoring off cuts. Um, and yeah, he's also going to be relying on to shoot threes, but he's being used in a, in like a more versatile offensive role, which I think appealed to him. And, and we're seeing that like times 10 right now with, with all the guys that are out. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. I hate that we have to keep talking about COVID, but I guess we have to right now. Um, Brief, briefly. briefly. Yeah, yeah, briefly. Um, obviously, the Bulls are in uh, dire COVID streets. I think you're seeing, obviously, all, all across sports again, which is not unsurprising considering the Omicron variants and the uh, holiday season and all that, you know, seasonal like waves and stuff like that. Obviously, the Dolphins, their whole running back room at this point is basically uh, in COVID protocol. Uh, they keep put Caleb Martin into COVID protocol uh, before that game on Saturday. Um, the good news is no one else has yet. Right. And so yeah. it seems like they're kind of clear of that bulls. You know, I know there are people worried like, Oh, should they even be playing against the bulls? Are they going to spread it to the heat? Um, and it, it seems like they've gotten through that window that it really would be a concern. You know, you never know, but uh, for the most part, it seems like they're doing all right, but um I don't know. It's just, it, it kind of sucks that it's something we have to monitor again. And, and obviously Eric Spolstra kind of went on a little rant about it on Saturday. And I think he summed up the way a lot of people feel about it right now, right? Where if everyone is uh, asymptomatic and everyone is vaccinated, what 97% of the leagues, I think the number that's been reported hundred percent of the heat, including booster shots. Um, it's like, it feels, I, I think to a lot of people like foolish that they're, 
still kind of going through all this 10 day quarantine um, cost for guys who obviously are not sick uh, from it and have a still pretty low trans chance of transmitting it to other people. I get that you don't want to spread it to the rest of the population who are, you know, higher percentage, obviously unvaccinated than in the NBA, but um, within the NBA, it's, it's a dilemma. Like it's a real dilemma. I think a lot of people face these days. Uh, And the NBA has to figure out how they're going to want to get through this because that Omicron variant, by all accounts, it is more contagious, but less likely to make you sick, basically. Um, And I don't know, that means we could see a lot of NBA players getting it and basically being entirely unaffected by it. Uh, Again, they don't want to transmit it to the unvaccinated population, but it's going to be a a tough situation for them. Are they going to maybe clamp down on some of the restrictions um, again, are they going to, uh, you know, change some of the quarantine protocols for, un- or and, um, I don't know if there's a good answer, but I, I kind of, I definitely sympathize with Eric Spolster when I, I think there has to be, there's gotta be a better way, but, uh, I don't know what that way is. Yeah. It's obviously a complicated issue that I don't think, you know, we're still learning about every day. Right. I mean, yeah. I think the key question is how transmissible is it if you're boosted and vaccinated and you're asymptomatic? Um, that's really, we're probably determined kind of if the leagues would be able to adjust the protocols for those who do test positive, but, you know, aren't sick. Um, I should mention that I, I did ask somebody you know, what prompted um, Caleb's test, because I know that was a kind of popular question that night of, well, if he's asymptomatic, why did he get tested? Right. He, he was not feeling 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, is why he was tested. And they do that, you know, when Tyler was sick a few weeks ago and he missed a few games, they tested him at that point too. Um, he obviously tested negative, but they, they you know, they, that's kind of what prompts these tests is when a guy feels ill or under the weather, they'll test him just to make sure. So um, after that Bulls game, you know, it's been well documented that he, the whole team was tested before that game, went after Caleb tested positive and also was tested, and all the team was also tested after the game no other positives on the roster. Um, from what I understand, I, I think after that, they don't need to test anymore unless, right. again, somebody feels sick. So, you know, at this point, again, there have not been any positives, but it's not like they're testing every day, at, you know, just because right. Caleb's in protocols, they played the Bulls a few days ago. They After that round of testing after the game, they haven't had to test again. Um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of what I wanted to mention. And it is going to be an issue. I mean, it's, it's, it's still an issue. I mean, the Lakers canceled practice today because they reportedly had a positive case on the roster. Um, they're all having to test obviously um, after that um, to see if there's anything, you know, anybody else who tests positive on the team. Um, it's going to be something that impacts the sport all year. And, you know, it could be something where you just never know who's going to be available. Just like last year, it kind of stinks. You thought, that is, we would all be past this because everyone got vaccinated and boosted, right. um, but we're not. And it's still kind of a, you know, every coach is going to have to say, okay, so is everyone available? You know, it could be you planning for one thing and it could be in a play in a playoff series where could you imagine if like a star in a big playoff series, let's say for hypothetical Golden State Warriors facing, a, you know, they're the one seed facing an eight seed and Steph Curry test positive, like right before the playoffs and has to miss the entire series. That changes everything. And you hate to see sports kind of be decided like that, but it unfortunately, it's unfortunately as 
the cliche goes, the world we live in today. Yeah, I, I think the the thing that's going to be that's the issue right now is, um, and again, like you said, uh, Caleb was feeling under the weather, but um, you know, so he. And I'm not saying I don't know. I mean, I haven't obviously talked to Caleb. But I'm not saying he's very sick. I'm just right. Yeah, yeah. You think it's a mild case? It seems like that, but he yeah. was. I think it's hundred percent. I guess. It's, yeah, I think the issue is get, the league is going to run into, and all leagues are going to run into, and and I wouldn't be surprised if we see some changing of policies from this. Is like, you know, the idea of, of the vaccines was one to you know hopefully like eradicate it, the virus, right? But also to make it so like you don't get sick from it, and it's kind of like a situation where like if COVID is spreading across the league, but like 95% of the league doesn't realize they even have COVID. Does it matter? Right. And, and I guess technically, yes, it does because they can spread it to unvaccinated people. And there's still a couple within the league, obviously. And, and people, but if they're not tested, then they didn't ever know. Right. Kind of- but if you don't, but if you don't get tested and you had COVID and you never knew you had COVID, like, does it even matter? I think that's the, the thing people are gonna, that's the question. I think a lot of people are going to deal with yeah. in the entire world. And the league is going to have to deal with is, I think the way Spo put it on Saturday was basically like we're finding cases that I don't, I don't want to put words in his mouth and I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but like we're, we're going out and searching for cases that ultimately are like don't matter. And again, I don't want to say they don't matter because yes, you can spread it to unvaccinated people, all yeah. that kind of stuff. And guys but, have, and people have kids and you know, I have a daughter. And, right. Exactly. And, and people worry about that. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think the league can keep running through all of this. They just might have to change, you know, do do more restrictions on like who you can interact with outside of outside of the gym and outside of, um, you know, outside of the team. You know, I don't think they need to go back to Disney World or anything for the for the Omicron, Omicron variant. But uh, I feel like there's there's going to be some sort of policy they can put in place here. I don't know what it is. And, you know, they're obviously thinking about this a lot more than we are, um, but that they can get, get through this and keep playing games and and make sure everyone stays safe. Yes. But also like that we're not, that we're not forcing guys who basically, you know, who have non-contagious, non-asymptomatic cases uh, to, to miss 10 days. Right. You know, yeah, maybe, maybe it becomes a shorter quarantine pre- period as we learn more. Um, I just think there's going to wind up being a better way forward. And then going to the playoffs, you know, hopefully by, by you know, the, it always surges worse in the winter. So hopefully come playoff time, we're not getting these right. cases Numbers. around the league the way that we are right now. Um, and again, it's happening in every sport. You know, I, the NFL has had a ton of cases in the last week. The NHL has had teams shut down recently. Um, so, so everyone is dealing with it. Um, I, I think ask. everyone feels the same way where it's like, you know, there are obviously some of these cases that are guys are actually getting sick, and especially with the unvaccinated players, but in the NBA where 97% of the league is vaccinated, I think there's like a, a feeling of like, what, what are we even doing here? Yeah. And, and I, again, I should, you know, we should point out that we, we really don't know how contagious a guy is, even if they're asymptomatic. Right. You know? yes. Thought is like, obviously probably less, contagious than somebody who is symptomatic but we just don't know which i think is a huge wild card in all this but i was gonna ask you david just because of what's prompting these tests right i'm not saying this is right but you have to think right i mean players if they see this and they're feeling you know they have a headache let's say right, they're gonna keep it under wraps yeah i mean it's just human nature when you want to like not be out for two weeks and you don't feel bad like unless you're feeling like really really bad you have the flu 
or you feel flu-like symptoms and you just can't even like get up because you have no energy. If you're just feeling mild symptoms, I'm like, I'm guessing guys at this point are going to say, not going to say anything, right? Definitely. I don't know if that, that's probably not a good thing, but it's just the way things are set up right now that it kind of leads to that, I would say. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on from that. Wrap up with uh, a big uh, story you have on, I guess it'll be in, in, in print on Wednesday. So people will be able to read it by then. Um, big section, basically front page of the Miami Herald about Udonis Haslam, um, Mr. 305. Uh, Anthony, I've not read your story yet because it is not out yet. Uh, most people will have been able to by now, but uh, can you just kind of give us a, uh, a rundown of kind of what, what the focus was on um, what, what you took away? You had a long conversation, obviously with Udonis and a bunch of people around him, right? Pat Riley, Dwayne Wade. Um, what, what good tease it for the people, tell, tell the people why they should read this story. Um, I'm not good at that, but I, I would, <laughs> um, yeah, I just, you know, when I was writing the story, you know, a lot of this stuff has been told and, and is known, but to put it together in one piece and to talk to people who have been on the ride with him along the way, um, it really is amazing kind of the legacy that Udonis has built for himself with being, really, you know, he was a good NBA player, obviously. He, he's a, the franchise's all-time leading rebounder. He's won three championships. He was a key player in really each of those three championships. Um, but he's not an all-star caliber player. He's never made the all-star game. You know, there have been a ton more talented athletes that have come through South Florida, you know, in every sport here. Um, but he's going to be remembered as probably one of the most important athletes um, to come through here just because obviously he's from Miami, um, has played his entire career in Miami, which is already unique in itself. I mean, there have been five players in NBA history who have spent, you know, their entire career lasting 19 years or longer with one team. And Udonis is the only one that has done it with his hometown team. Yeah. That is very, very unique. Never been done before in NBA yeah, history. He really does. He has probably the like there will you can say it about a lot of players that there will never be another one of these guys, but there will no there probably will never. never yeah. Another Udonis. And, th- and that was the point. I think that was the point I was trying to get across with the story. I was talking to guys yeah. and like even Pat Riley said it, like, you know, there's Demarinos, there's Dwayne Wades, but there really truly will not be a guy like Udonis Haslam ever again. And that's why he's going to have his number retired by the Heat. And that's why, who knows, maybe there could be a statue when the Heat ever decided to do that for, for their greats like Dwayne Wade. And, you know, Donis, I'm sure Donis would be in a conversation for that because of what he's meant, you know, to the organization off the, really off the court. I mean, as a, as a team right. leader, you know, that's why he's still on the roster and, and in the community. I mean, he does, he does so much in the community. I know you, you know, you contributed to this, you know, this package, David, with your story on, kind of his, his businesses that he owns and the jobs he provides, um, you know, to South Florida with everything he kind of has going on. But just, you know, you know, it's like some people, you know, Steve Stowe from the Heat, who, who leads their community department, told me it's the things he does that people don't read, like don't even know about. Like he'll just show up at someone's house like regularly. Like he'll just, he'll text Steve and be like, did you see this? I'm going to go, I'm going to go over here this afternoon. And it was just show up at someone's house to kind of like, lift their spirits or, or help them. Um, he's, he's also, he's also involved with an affordable housing project, you know, one that's soon going to open, I think later this year in Wynwood. Wynwood. Yeah. I mentioned that in my story. Yeah. He feels very strongly about, um, because as he said, you know, Wynwood is a growing area and he understands gentrification. Right. But the truth of the matter is a lot of those people have been living in that area for decades. And I wrote in my story, he remembers Wynwood when it was 
Yeah. Like it was now Winwood. Yeah, it's totally different, right? Yeah. It was it was an extension of Overtown at that yeah, point. Yeah, basically. And those people, he's like, a lot of them have to move to Homestead and they don't have transportation. And how are they supposed to get to their job? So, you know, kind of fo- his focus right now is affordable housing. He wants to build, you know, nice affordable housing for those residents who need, you know, or maybe, you know, they got their house bought out because of it's from some developer, but they're able to stay in the area and they don't have to move 30 miles away. Um, so it, it's just little things like that, that kind of shows you the importance of, of Udonis and, um, and Udonis, you know, I think is, has kind of realized his, his value to the community. He, he mentioned that, you know, I know basketball plays a role in these decisions, but he mentioned that it's one of the biggest reasons he's stayed here this entire time. Like he's had opportunities to leave for more money and for other playing time. And he said, it's been hard to stay because I want to play more and it's been frustrating at times. Um, but I kind of understood that my, my power, like my influence would not be as strong anywhere else. And he got to a point in his career where he's like, that's more important to me than, than playing, you know, an extra 15 minutes a game or something like that. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just a really unique, a unique journey and a unique legacy that he's built for himself. Um, and I hope that's what that story gets across. Yeah. Yeah. You could build a Udonis Haslam statue at the arena, or you could put it pretty much anywhere in Miami and it would feel like just as like important, right. You know, he's, he's done, you know, he's obviously part of three championship teams and a really important part, obviously of the 06 championship team. Um, but he, his accomplishments off the court, especially in the last, you know, 10 years, basically, you know, it's yeah. kind of crazy. It's not like, it's not like we've just been doing this. Udonis is like the last guy on the bench for like the last three years of his career. Like, honestly, like even by the end of the big three era, which feels like how feels like 20 years ago now, he was right. pretty marginalized by the end of that era. Like it, it yeah, he was, it, yeah. It's been a uh, for for a guy who, honestly, for really probably by the end of his career, the majority of his career has been like a deep bench player, like and basically his entire career a bench player. Um, obviously, other than kind of the that stretch from basically what 05 through he starting power forward during yeah. the beginning of the big three era, but you know. Um, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think you ever. They were still starting. They were like that was like old, still old school basketball. So like Chris Bosh playing power forward next. Like, right, damn. exactly. Joel Anthony was playing yeah. center. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, for a guy who, yeah, yeah it, there are so many ways his career is unique, but especially in that way that he is, you know, people have obviously great memories of him on the court, but like, you know, when we look, if you look through our like Miami Herald photo gallery and you just type in Udonis Haslam, like when we we try to put photos on the story. You'll see just as many of him at speaking at a rally or like out at Surfside or whatever, right? Like he he's just for for a lot of people, he's just as visible as an off court presence as he is an on court presence. Yeah, and he's really plugged into politics on here too. I mean, yeah. I, I interviewed uh, my immediate mayor, Danielle Levinkawa, and she was just saying how unique it is like she's never <laughs> Udonis like reached out to her and said like I want right. to help what can I do and he's she's like I've never heard from an athlete like and had that conversation with an athlete ever yeah uh, and it's the same thing city of Miami mayor Francis Suarez and different city commissioners I mean he, he's really plugged in I even asked him like do you want to get into politics at some point and he laughed he's, he's like I, I'm not going to rule it out but I, I kind of like being in the middle like I'd rather just kind of be in their ear and kind of use my influence to, to kind of make things happen. But I, he's like, I want to sleep. I don't think I can get to sleep. I'm <laughs> the politics. So um, he, he's more interested in getting into uh, 
kind of being part of the Heat ownership group, which he's yeah. very, very interested in. I guess we'll see, what, you know, if it happens when he's done playing. But um, he did not rule out politics, so there's that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's interesting. He is a uh, – he's into politics, but I wouldn't even say he's, like, necessarily, like – like you said, he stays in the middle. He's not outspoken. I obviously no. – like, yeah. Black Lives Matter rallies last year. Like, I, I have a feeling which way he probably votes in most elections. But, uh, you know, he's, he's a guy who I, I think the entire in, – in our polarized times – um, you know, Udonis for president, basically, is what I'm saying. It seems like everyone likes him. If he ran, you know. Would he win Florida? I, I don't know if he would win Florida, but if he ran for, like, Miami-Dade mayor or something, or city of Miami mayor, I think he would actually win. I think I win. Um, Udonis versus Mario Cristobal in the uh, 20... Uh, well, that's a good race. Four primaries. Unless Cristobal loses five games next year. Yeah, then. that's true. Uh, then it'll be an easy rate win for, for Udonis. <laughs> All right, I think we can wrap things up there. You can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. Uh, be sure to check out his Udonis Haslam story uh, that we'll be running. It'll be online by the time you all look at listen to this. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at dbwilson2. Um, it's been mostly football for me, National Signing Day stuff for me in the last week, um, especially with all these new coaches in, in Florida. I did a, a big story talking to a bunch of high school coaches letting them anonymously kind of vent about the state of recruiting it at the three, the big three state schools. So uh, you can check that out at miamiherald.com too. Uh, loaded Wednesday paper, by the way, from for sports. So if you uh, like to pick up the paper every once in a while, the Wednesday one will be good because we got you down us on the front page and we've got signing day stuff on, on the sports front. So uh, read the newspaper. That's, that's something I don't think I've ever said on, on the, on the heat check podcast. Or read so our website. Go buy it. Yeah. Or read, yeah, right. And we also have the AD, who you're, is, I guess, is having his introductory press conference, which you have to run to at this point. Yeah, I got to run to that in a couple minutes here. Uh, but thanks, as always, for listening, everyone. And we will talk to you all next week. Bye.